You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Alexa, Stitcher, all the smart speakers, as well as Spotify. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at NOLA, Jake on Twitter, here with you all on this Thursday, a really, really, really happy Thursday here in New Orleans as the Pelicans win their season opener on the road against the Houston Rockets, and not just win, but completely roll the Houston Rockets with a 131-112 win over them. Of course, we're going to break down everything you saw in that game. The great play, the stellar play from Anthony Davis, from Julius Randle, um, from Nikola Mirotic, who was absolutely phenomenal in that game. We're going to look at the defense too. How did they keep Houston in check for so long? This was a complete performance for New Orleans, and they've kind of put themselves on the NBA map right now. So if you're a new listener, thank you all for tuning in. This is a perfect time to start listening to the Daily Pelicans podcast here, breaking down everything you want to know about this team. And if you're a recurring listener who's been with me for now three seasons, it's my third season opener. Thank you all so much for being here. I could not appreciate it more. And please, Tell your friends. Obviously, this is going to be a fun and exciting team to watch, so get them on board the hype train early because it is rolling right now. So, a lot to cover in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans, including signing news that we're so excited about we completely forgot to mention. We'll talk about that in the latter part of the podcast, but first, got to just dive right on into this game. So I said on yesterday's podcast, I thought this was a winnable game for New Orleans and that either Anthony Davis or Julius Randle were in store for a monster, monster game. I wasn't expecting both of them to kind of have that monster game as well as Nikola Mirotic, but the Pelicans' big three, I guess if you want to call it, of the bigs, and this isn't even throwing Drew Holiday in there, who himself was kind of on cruise control in this game and they didn't even need him, had just monster performances, by the way. Uh, Mirotic finished with 30 points on the night, 6 of 8 from deep, he made his first five three-pointers in a row and was just red hot from the start. He was in the starting lineup. I guess we should go through that alongside Alfred Payton, Drew Holiday, Anthony Davis, and Etwan Moore over there at small forward. Mirotic was great, though. Just had it going. Keep him shaved all the time. 30 points on the night, 10 boards for him. Then you've got a guy like Anthony Davis, who in almost 40 minutes of play put up 32 points, 16 rebounds, and 8 Assist. We're going to talk about the assist number because that's the big thing that jumps out at you here. He also had three blocks. But the points we know he can do, the rebounds we know he can do, it was the playmaking out of the block area on the left side that kind of left me a little bit stunned. You saw some unbelievable passes from him with his back to the basket and drawing a double team that absolutely tore Houston apart at times. Off the bench, the big hero here was Julius Randle, who played just 24 minutes in this one, finished with 25 points on the night. 25 points on 15 shots. That's because he went 2 of 4 from deep. This is a dude who we all had high expectations for coming into this season. He's exceeded them already in one game, and we could not be more thrilled. But we did that, We thought that because he would play in transition, because he would be a bull down low. When all of a sudden he's spacing the court and goes 2 of 4 from deep, that's going to be problems for opponents because now you don't have a court compressed when you have him and Anthony Davis out there at the same time. And even then, they still complement each other with that. He also did a number of playmaking. He had 3 assists on the 
night. You saw him get some lobs too in back-to-back possessions to Anthony Davis late in the fourth quarter that really sealed things. There's chemistry developing there. And overall, you saw the chemistry really flowing through a guy like Alfred Payton. Played 37 minutes on the night we're rounding up here. Finished with um, 10 points. 10 rebounds, and 10 assists. He shot only 5 of 13 from the field, but that's nitpicking at this point because he was very, very impactful. We'll dive into his game a little bit more later on and what he did well. In their big win, the Pelicans dictated the pace of play. You played this one with a 104.5 pace. That's above their season average from last year, down from where they were in preseason. No one was going to play that fast. And not at a speed that Houston wanted to play at at all. I went on Lockdown Rockets and talked with their host, Ben DeBose, about this. They're one of the slower teams in the league, ideally. They want to play that heavy, kind of smart iso ball that they've really developed there with James Harden and the rest of that team. And they weren't able to do so when the Pelicans are running against them. Their defense can't get back. It can't get set. The Pels put up 76 points in the paint. Um, in this game, and that's with Miritich hitting six threes. So it's not just the three bigs getting down low. It's Anthony Davis getting down low. It's Randall scoring down there, but it's also Alfred Payton driving and attacking. Etwan Moore driving and attacking. Moore, by the way, finished with 21 points on the night. Only one made three. And all of these guys just being ultra-aggressive, hyper-aggressive, and trying to play in transition and getting out and running after the misses from the Houston Rockets. They had 19 fast break points up from where they were in preseason down from probably where they'd like to be, but when you were scoring at will, otherwise it's okay, and this team can definitely survive that, particularly when you're not turning the ball over. Just 12 turnovers on the night for New Orleans. That was excellent by them. Defensively, they were stout. When you look at James Harden, and he had took here, he took 15 shot attempts on the night. That's low. This is a dude who last season alone by himself averaged 10 three-point attempts per game, and you held him to 15 field goals on the night where he was 6 of 15 from. Eight of them were from three. He finished with 18 points. Chris Paul is annoying and can score in mid-range. He's got a decent enough three-point shot, and he put up 19 on the night, but ultimately didn't feel that impactful. You know, P.J. Tucker had big minutes for them, put up good numbers in terms of counting stats and points. He was at 19 on the night. But man, he could do nothing to defend Anthony Davis. I don't think the loss of Trevor Ariza is huge for this team, but after this one game, you've really got to be concerned if you're Houston. Ariza defended Anthony Davis very well in the four games these teams played last year. Three wins for the Rockets there, but without him and his ability to keep up with AD, the strength that he has to maybe keep AD away from the basket a little bit they're kind of ineffectual there and I think that's one of the reasons Anthony Davis had such a monster game Tucker just couldn't do it and AD kind of did what he wanted against him Eric Gordon had 21 on the night Carmelo Anthony rough three for 10 from the field one of five from deep uh and yeah four personal fouls he didn't defend he didn't score efficiently I don't know what his role is going to be with this team just yet. He was very clearly trying to play in this Mike D'Antoni system. Maybe they just need to let him be himself, but it's one game. I don't think you can read that much into it. Michael Calder-Williams off the bench, also 10 points for the Houston Rockets. But again, no one really scared you, and the Pelicans defended well enough. Houston um, you know, had a ton of misses. It allowed the Pelicans to grab boards and go and just kind of play their game. 
So before we dive deeper into the performances from Anthony Davis, Julius Randle, Nikola Mirotic, and of course, Alfred Payton, triple-double on night one is pretty impressive. If your company is looking for a new way to reach customers, you could have your name be mentioned here on this podcast right now. Podcast listeners are 60% more likely to interact with sponsors they hear on their favorite podcast. Our demographic is 98% males, and they have more education and earnings than traditional media audiences. Have your company sponsor locked on Pelicans. Rates are unbelievably reasonable. I've actually gotten a couple of requests recently. I'm going to be sending you guys something in the mail or through email very soon. Email me though. It's lockedonpels at gmail.com. That's lockedonpels at gmail.com. So let's take a look at some of the standout performances from this game for the New Orleans Pelicans. Let's start with Anthony Davis. Again, shade over 39 minutes, had 32 points on the night, 16 boards, 8 assists. You had Giannis over in Milwaukee just going off for an unbelievable stat line. And Anthony Davis does his best to match him. He also had three blocks on the night and just one turnover. You saw a very different AD in this one. He's always been capable of going out and scoring and putting up these unbelievable numbers. But for some reason, and it's just a feeling that comes from watching this dude for years, that he was more in control of himself, not feeling rushed or under any sort of pressure, and kind of, you know, when you want to use a cliche of saying, let the game come to him. And that seemed to be what he was doing. He was just very in control overall. Realized when he needed to make rim runs to get a lob from a guy like Alfred Payton or Julius Randle in this one. He defended well and timed his jumps to block a bunch of shots perfectly. He had two back-to-back, I think, in possessions on Capella. He stuffed Mello out on the perimeter and didn't get burned by that. He's just a smarter player right now, and maybe it has to do with kind of the different aggressive mindset he's kind of snapped himself into, that he wants to be the most dominant, we've got to use that word because it's probably going to be trademarked soon, dominant player here in the league, and he was showing it off, but he's become a little bit more cerebral, and I think that only suits his game to just take it a step further. He was absolutely fantastic fantastic tonight other than one or two maybe defensive lapses the eight assists are also impressive because when he flirts with a triple double it's usually blocks rebounds and points not assists eight is a career high for him or ties his career high and you saw him doing it from a low block perspective this wasn't just in transition where he passes the ball and someone else scores that way though there were one or two of those but there were times when he got the ball on the left block had his back to the basket for a post up and then saw a cutting teammate and made a behind-the-back bounce pass. He did it once to Drew Holiday there, and you saw another one to Etwan Moore. You saw him get the ball to Julius Randle that way, too. It put Houston in just a huge problem. They're terrified of Anthony Davis, particularly because they didn't have anyone like Ariza who could guard him one-on-one effectively, so they double-teamed him, which meant a cutter was going to be free. In years past, we haven't seen Anthony Davis able to get the ball out of there. You've seen it, especially two years ago. Three years ago, it was really bad, and it's been getting progressively better, but he struggled with double teams before or triple teams when he just had a lack of help around him here where he just didn't either trust his teammates or wasn't able to make those kind of passes so he'd try and power through it and usually turn the ball over or have a shot blocked or fumble it something like that and it didn't end up being a good look for him this was great he was double teamed he realized okay I got a kind of 
back up a little bit, create some space, Cutter comes through, bam, get him on the pass, and they score, he gets an assist. And then when they didn't double him, he punished them forward. He didn't keep that same passing mindset. You saw it at one point, same position, left block down there. They had one-on-one matchup with him, and he just kind of spun around and went for a dunk. He didn't make the dunk, but he got fouled going up for it, went to the line and made both free throws. So if they double-teamed him, he burned him, and when they uh, tried to put him in single covered, he burned him. That's how he's going to force defenses to just pick the worst option every time. And when you saw the off-ball movement like we saw from the Pelicans tonight, last night, then yeah, they're going to have big games. And it started with AD and just all of the things he did in this matchup to lead this team to a huge victory. Julius Randle was also electric. Again, 23 minutes, 49 seconds. Let's break it down to that. 25 points on just 15 shots. The Pelicans had 28 bench points total. Randall had 25 of those. That's a minor concern. We'll talk about that in tomorrow's podcast. You got to get some more from your bench probably, but he was phenomenal coming off the pine and stepping in when he needed to. And he probably would have played a little bit more. He had to get his ankle retaped. I think he had to go pee at one point and had to leave the, the bench, the game to go take care of that. Whatever. No big deal. Everyone's got to do it. The big thing you saw from him was just, again, his aggressiveness. When he he had the ball down low. He wanted to bang in the post and score that way and really hurt Capella trying to do that. He had no answer for it. And we knew he was capable of this. He can play in that slower system and score at will at the rim. He is so damn strong. The dude is just a bulldozer, a truck, whatever you want to say. And then he can get out and run in transition too. He grabbed a number of rebounds where he just went out and started to run and created something that way. And that was phenomenal as well. You saw a bit of the playmaking. He had two lobs to Anthony Davis again late in the fourth. Finished with three assists on the night. Big thing here that makes him ter- like just more terrifying is the two for four from deep. And we've seen him in practice working on that shot. I didn't think you'd see him take four three-point attempts in a game. If he wants to shoot those and make them at 50% or even close to that, we're going to take that every single night, and I just don't think opponents are going to have an answer to it. Of course, Mirtich was just his usual awesome flamethrower self, six of eight. We don't really need to dive into it too much. He just does all the things you kind of want from a guy. Each one more was also pretty great. 21 points on the night, was very aggressive, really worked well off ball in this one. Knew when to cut, knew when to kind of get into the middle of the lane for that floater that he is so good at. Finished 8 of 12 on the night. That's 66.7%. Pretty damn good. But I think the guy who really raised the most eyebrows in this one was most definitely Alfred Payton. Triple-double on opening night, doing it with the 10s. 10 points, 10 assists, 10 rebounds. Also, by the way, just one turnover. Anyone who thought the Pelicans were going to be missing Rajon Rondo, this one kind of maybe puts that to bed, but we don't need to rehash that debate. Peyton looked a little shaky in preseason. I think he kind of was uncertain of his role. But then you read an article about Anthony Davis that Brian Windhorst wrote for ESPN.com. And I think you can see where this all started to come together. So in preseason, Peyton would drive. And Alvin Gentry has loved to say throughout preseason and training camp and all of that, that Peyton got to the rim better than any guard not named Russell Westbrook last year. He can get there and he can be an effective scorer. And we saw him flirt with triple doubles a number of times in Orlando. And this was his third for his career. Not that triple doubles actually matter. 
But in preseason, Peyton looked unsure of if he should try and score right there or dump the ball off to Anthony Davis or try and swing a pass out to a shooter in a corner. And that kind of half second of indecisiveness led to a number of turnovers or making the wrong play. He wasn't playing very instinctually like I think you want to see from him. But when Orson in his article mentioned that Anthony Davis in practice was going through a number of times where he just didn't shoot at all because he wanted his teammates to feel comfortable taking the shot and kind of being aggressive. And he will work around that because his skill set's so good and he knows he can take over a game whenever he needs to. But he really wanted these other guys to realize, hey, you're empowered to do what it is we need to do to try and win. Go and score if you're a scorer. And I think Alfred Payton really seemed to take that to heart and played very aggressively in this one. Look, we all knew he can rebound. He's got good size for a guard. He would grab a defensive board and go coast to coast. And then when the rim was taken away from him, would make the proper pass. I think the fact that you are this whole team was actually trying is a big part of it too. The spacing was there all night long. You didn't need to worry about, okay, the things are kind of mucked up a little bit and there's no real big passing lane. He saw the court well. So he knew what the proper pass to make was. So he knew when to try and score and he did it pretty effectively. Again, you know, he's five of 13 on the night, all five basically at the rim right there. I think that's pretty good. The shooting numbers will get a little bit better, but he's not necessarily the most efficient score. But if he can give you just enough scoring to break down a defense like that and actually be a threat and make people respect his drives to the rim, it's going to draw a defender. It's going to leave guys open in the corner, or it's going to leave another cutter coming behind him down the lane, or just a little lob to AD, or just a dump off to AD. Either one. And he played that role to perfection. Also, was pretty good on the defensive side of the ball. You know, this is a guy who's a former defensive player of the year in college. Maybe just those two teams he played on, mainly just Orlando, just a mess with pieces that didn't fit around him. And we've seen how Anthony Davis can make guys look oh so good. A guy like Tim Frazier, who we'll talk about coming up in just a moment. Notice we haven't mentioned Drew Holiday. He was pretty quiet on the night, and they just didn't need him to do too much. He played very good defense. He was 0 for 6 from 3, so he's trying to shoot and just wasn't falling. He just kind of had an off night and totally cool. 10 points, 8 assists. Not too bad. Didn't really, you know, do much else, and that's fine because they didn't need it, and you know he's capable of all of that. So it's a lot of fun, and we could nitpick this game if we really wanted to, but when the Pelicans had a 29-point lead at one point over the Houston Rockets on the road on the opening night of the season, Anthony Davis kind of makes an MVP statement in this one. Julius Randle looks like a goddamn steal for the, you know, full mid-level exception there, and Miritich looks like the smartest trade you ever could have made a year ago, and you're not really missing Rondo or or DeMarcus Cousins, we're not going to nitpick on that game. Just enjoy this one, Pelicans fans. So there is some news on the player movement front here for the Pelicans. A new but familiar face coming back in. We're going to talk about that in just a second here and maybe what it means for the team. But I do want to key you guys in on something, and that's the Locked On NBA podcast. It was here all offseason recapping everything you needed to know Monday through Friday. Other parties were taking a break. We over at the Locked On NBA podcast were not, and we are back in full swing now that there's going to be games every single night. The only podcast you need to listen to that recaps the games the night before, previews that night's games upcoming, and talks about the one or two biggest things going on around the association that day. Best of all, I co-host the Wednesday edition. You know you've got to listen on that day. So please, listen and subscribe for all your NBA needs to the Locked On NBA podcast. 
So a new but familiar face coming back to New Orleans. The Pelicans announced today they are signing Tim Frazier, point guard, to kind of fill that backup point guard need, which is maybe an important role for this team. And also an interesting thing, considering they did not play Ian Clark in this game at all, even late in the fourth quarter when the backups came in, they rolled with a very tight rotation throughout this one. So maybe they don't feel comfortable there. And we knew they wanted to add someone else. They were definitely going to add someone else after Jarrett Jack got cut. I don't think they feel Frank Jackson ready for that kind of role just yet either and he might just be better as a bit of a combo guard and less of a pure point Tim Frazier was claimed off of waivers again after being cut by the Milwaukee Bucks he's got a non-guaranteed contract basically 1.5 million that hit that guarantees on that 10 you know uh, January 10th deadline that all non-guarantees do um, it's his second stint here in New Orleans I'm reading off of the press release the Pelicans sent out to originally joining the club on March 16th 2016 he had 81 career games here in New Orleans Orleans, where he averaged 8.3 points, 5.6 assists, and three, three rebounds and one steals, undrafted out of Penn State. He actually played pretty well for his time here. You know, I think Anthony Davis makes you look a whole lot better, but AD loved him when De when they traded for DeMarcus Cousins and both AD and Cousins rode in the Zulu Mardi Gras parade. The one other player they had on their float with them was Tim Frazier. So I think that kind of tells you he actually himself had a triple double, uh, if you recall. So I think this kind of just solidifies the, the backcourt a little bit. It adds a little bit of depth and insurance as a guy who can go out there who's played in fast paced systems before. I think that's a big thing here. He's familiar with a number of the guys. He should fit right on in. To make room for him, the Pelicans have waived Troy Williams. There's a guy, you know, one of the wing players they were keeping. This is where it gets interesting and you see kind of things starting to fall into place. If the Pelicans still had Alexia Jinsa, this move maybe doesn't happen. Or then you've also got to wave a guy like Kenrick Williams to make it work too. By trading for Wes Johnson and moving a Jinsa and getting kind of that dead weight off of the team for a guy who can play, you can cut a guy like Troy Williams and then bring in that point guard depth that you wanted to have. So this is smart couple of moves here. Nothing that moves the needle, but just smart moves for New Orleans as you kind of solidify this because again they're going to be trying to remake the roster a little bit here certainly they want to bring in another wing who can give you better minutes than say Solomon Hill or Darius Miller Miller was pretty bad in about 20 minutes in the, the game last night 12 minutes for Solomon Hill he wasn't much better than that though he wasn't as bad so I think they'd like to trade for a wing but you're going to give up some depth when you do that and so bringing in a guy like Tim Frazier right now gives you a little bit more insurance if you have to send out multiple players to make kind of some salary work there so smart bit of transaction I don't know moves made by Dell Demps to kind of fill this team out around the edges something he's always been good at and we'll see how they do here going forward of course you did not see um, Tim Frazier playing this game though it would have been the most Pelicans thing ever to sign him and then play him immediately as they've done with a number of guys over the past couple of years you also didn't see Wes Johnson playing this one because the trade was finalized basically like 24 hours 48 hours before this game but great win for the Pelicans tonight you don't need those guys right now particularly when Anthony Davis is playing as he did in this win over the Rockets so that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. Enjoy the win tonight, last night, whatever it is, whenever you're listening to it, Pelicans fans. And please, if you're enjoying the podcast, it's the start of the year. No better time than now to jump in. And I've got some great guests lined up and a lot of coverage for you guys coming here throughout the entire season. In what should be, if this game's any indication, 
a whole lot of fun and maybe going to be very successful. So tell your friends to tune in and keep tuning in daily as well as leaving a five-star rating on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast from if you can and subscribing. That also helps the podcast and it is very important. This is free for you guys. Do that one thing for me. So again, thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison at Nola Jake on Twitter. I'll be back with you all tomorrow. 